Welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. And as we were kind of celebrating last Sunday, I've been thinking about this idea of that we are destined. And something is happening in our generation. And there's this scripture found in Acts that talks about David and the influence that he had in his generation. And I want to read it to you. It's in Acts 13, verse 36. It says, for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. But if you go up just a few verses to verse 22, it says, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David. A man about whom God said, I have found David, a son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And as I looked at David's life, in light of our series, Destined, that we are called to be, we are human beings, while we may do some things, that is not who God destined us to be. We are called to rest in an identity that he has given us. I started to look at David's life, and I realized that there is a posture that is required for the God destiny that is on our life. And there is something about a heart and the way that we carry ourselves that is required for us to fulfill our God-given destiny. And I don't know about you, but as I read this scripture about David, I want to be known as a woman after God's own heart. I want to be known as somebody that God says, I trust her because she will do everything I want her to do. And that's a bold statement. Because there are some things that God may ask us to do that I don't want to do. But I want to be known at the end of my life. And I would love if this generation, a generation is not, culturally we define it as just an age bracket. We have millennials and Gen Zs. We have all different age brackets. But biblically, a generation is defined as one in which you live. So from the oldest person alive to the youngest person alive right now, that is our generation. And wouldn't it be great if this generation was known as a generation after God's own heart? Wouldn't it be great if this generation was known for doing everything that God wanted them to do? If we got to the end of our time and we could look back and we could hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. We could look back and we could have the story told about us is that they served the purpose in their generation, their God-given destiny. So if that were to be true, then we would have to carry a posture. And there's this statement where he says that he was a man after God's own heart. So what would have, what would be God's heart? Well, here's what I found in Mark 10, verse 45. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I have come to realize that the posture required for us to fulfill our God-given destiny is one of serving. It is one that lays down our life and surrender to the most high king and says, I will serve my purpose in this generation. But if we were to boil it all down, it would be that we are called to serve. And all throughout David's life, he goes through these four seasons that we all can relate to. And these four seasons in his life, all throughout those seasons, there's something being tested in him. There's a question that is being asked, but if you were to boil it down, 
his posture would remain one of a servant, one that was humbly surrendered to his king. And so what I want to look today is I want to look at these four seasons of David's life that we all can find ourselves in and show you this posture so that if no matter what season we stand in right now, we can carry this posture. Now, you need to know that these four seasons are more of a cycle, not a destination. They are not stepping stones. While they do tend to build upon another, they're not one that once you accomplish it, you're never going to face it again, okay? It's a little bit like Houston's weather, like we could go from winter to summer all on the same day. So that's a little bit how seasons are with God, except he wrote them. So there's four seasons and in Houston, we only get two. It's real fun. Okay. But for real, let me dive into David's first season. And that is the one called the field, the field. Now, what do I mean by the field season? This season is an unseen season. It is the season that oftentimes we could feel forgotten in. Maybe we feel trapped in. It's the season that maybe we think isn't very important or significant. This is that season that you really feel like nobody knows what you're going through. Nobody sees you where you are. But in this season, it is a season of development. It is a season where God is actually developing within us the very things we will need for the upcoming seasons. There was a book that I read called Anonymous. And in this book, it talks about the anonymous years of Jesus's life. Uh, we know that he lived for 33, but uh, most of what we know about his life is in the last three years. And so there's these 30 years that she referenced as the anonymous years of his life. And she related it to that of an iceberg. And here's what she said. She said that while only 10% of an iceberg is seen, it is... Er, yeah, 10% of it is seen. The 90% that is unseen is what makes it undestructible. It is actually what makes it sustainable and strong through everything. And so she relates that to God's life. Is it possible that his 30 years, the anonymous years, are what made him so strong? Or what made him so, un, un, um, so, so sustainable? And for us, in this season of feeling unseen, in this season of feeling forgotten or put out into the pasture, that season is the season that we are developing the sustainability for the upcoming seasons. It's the seasons that we're developing strength. This is what Romans 5 says. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fulfill, to fill our hearts with his love. James 1, it says very similar things, but it has it raised just slightly different. It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. What if this season you said, let it grow, let my endurance grow, let my strength grow, let it grow in me. Because this season is a season of developing. For, for David, this season was a season of development. It was in this season that not only did he develop a skillful hand, he developed a skillful heart. See, there was a moment where he was actually learning to kill animals. But while he was learning that skill with his hand, he was also learning the skill of a skillful heart of a warrior. While he was learning musicians and he was learning different music and he was learning how to play different instruments, in that season he developed a skillful hand. But yes, he also developed a skillful heart, one of a worshiper. 
This season is that season where we will develop a skillful hand and heart. And here's why. He developed a heart to serve one and not the crowd. To serve God above the crowd. But this season's going to ask you a question. It's going to ask you this question. Can you serve when you think no one is looking? Can you serve when you think no one is looking? Will you serve when you're not seen? Will you walk this out? Here's what it looks like in David's life. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 11, then it said, Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was a ruddy and handsome with pleasant eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the olive oil he had brought and poured it on David's head. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him from that day on. Listen, David rightfully could have felt forgotten He could have felt not good enough. He could have felt like he was trapped in a bad situation. He could have felt all of these things. But the problem is, this is a test for us. This is a test to see if we will serve when no one is looking. This is a test to see if we are going to go and try to make a way for ourselves. Or if we will trust God to make a way for us. But if you notice that David did not all of a sudden take this anointing and start plowing away for his anointing. Instead, he returned to the field. Here's why I believe he did that. Because he understood that the one who called him out to anoint him would be the one who would call him out to position him. And if you and I are called out by God to be anointed, yet we think we have to force our position, we will actually cause destruction and not growth. And the ones that are around us, we are called to minister to them, not destroy them. And so just because there's a moment where anointing comes, there is also a godly timing that comes with it. So in developing your posture and developing this, the Lord is going to ask you a very tough question. Who and why are you serving? Who and why are you serving? Because if you won't serve now when you think no one is watching, you won't be able to serve when you know someone is watching. So start now. It's okay to start serving now, to start small. Some of you may know my dad is a pastor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He started Gateway Church in that area. And so we started the church. I say we. I did a lot of work to help him start the church. So I feel like I should get some credit as a pastor's kid, okay? So we started the church. I was nine years old. It started in our home. And I remember he told me all the kids go upstairs. He said, keep them upstairs, entertain them, and only come down if someone is bleeding or the house is on fire. I was like, done. I went to school the next day. I said, guys, I'm a children's pastor now. So I felt very proud of myself. I loved my job. I took it very seriously. I didn't actually make the cut, so they actually hired a real children's pastor not long after that. And then I became a teenager, and I started to serve in our children's area, and I I was serving in this three-year-old classroom. And by this time, I had already received prophetic words that I would travel and speak and that I would uh, be able to preach on the weekend and all these different things. But yet, that wasn't the right time for me to do that. And so here I was in a three-year-old classroom teaching three-year-olds all about Jesus. Can I tell you that while nobody in this room knew my name at that age, as I taught three-year-olds, that season was a very significant season in my life because it developed something within me that I needed for this season. And if we belittle the unseen season, 
we will actually rob ourselves of the fruit that comes out of that season. Don't allow your unseen season to be an insignificant season. This is a significant season in your life and allow God to work in you because these seasons will build upon another. You are planting seeds today for the fruit tomorrow. So lean into this season. The second season in David's life is that of the palace. I like to think of this season as a stepping stone. It comes with a test, but this is that season that you know you are called to more, but right now God has you here. And you have an opportunity to serve in an area, but you're not yet leading in that area. This is how it plays out in David's life. The spirit had left Saul because he had disobeyed God, and now he was troubled by an evil spirit. So some of his team members said, hey, why don't you bring in a worshiper to help you fight this evil spirit? And this is where we pick up the story. 1 Samuel 16, verse 17. Um, All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, the son of Jesse is a talented heart player. Not only that, he is brave and strong and has good judgment. He is also a fine looking young man and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son, David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat and a donkey loaded down with food and wine. So David went to Saul and served him. Saul liked David very much, and David became one of Saul's armor bearers. I have a question for you before we dive into this. How did Saul's servant know all of that about David? Wasn't he in an unseen season? Wasn't it true that nobody saw him? Yet the reality of it is, is while you may believe that no one sees you, there are always eyes on you. And so here was somebody that was able to open a door for him, not because he was true, like trying to prove a point to the servant. We have no record that they were best friends and David's like, can you get me in? We have no record of that. All we know is that David served faithfully in the field, so God made a way for him in the palace. And if you and I will stay faithful where God has us, I promise you he'll take us where he wants to take us. He will make space for you at any table he needs you at. And so we need to lean into that. So here he is. He gets called. But I need to let you know how you serve and your attitude in this season will actually determine if you will move forward or if you will stay. Because if you cannot serve in the area of your calling, you will not be able to lead in the area of your calling. Here's how the Bible says it in Luke 16, verse 10. Unless you are faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in the large ones. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. Listen, this was an opportunity for David. But you know what I love about David? Is he kept his posture right. It doesn't say that he walked into the palace and he said, finally, one day I'm going to be in your seat, bro, so you can go ahead and move on. He didn't walk in, start walking through the bedrooms being like, that's going to be my room. That's going to be my media room. Like he didn't own it. He didn't make this, this his new normal. It said that he walked in and he served Saul. And then here's what it also says. It says that he went back and forth. Here's what it says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 15. But David went back and forth between working for Saul and helping his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. This season often feels like an in-between season. And if the field is developing our patience, then the palace is testing our pride. What will we do with the opportunities God gives us? Will they go to our heads? Will all of a sudden we start thinking that we are doing a great job and start taking some pride in what we do? 
Let me tell you my story. The very first time I had the opportunity to speak on a platform um, was I was actually invited to do a three-minute word in the middle of our worship set um, during our women's conference. And so I stayed up, to be honest, all night long. I prepared that word. I was so nervous. And so I delivered that word. And about a week after that word, I had over 30 speaking requests for the rest of that year. Absolutely amazing. So in one of those speaking requests was one to come back to that conference and be a main speaker. And so I remember going to Ethan and um, I said, hey, um, if three minutes got me 30, then 30 minutes may get me 300. So um, I'm going to need an admin. I need a website. Um, I'm kind of a big deal now, you know, like I probably, I need a lot, you know. And he was so gracious. He just smiled. He's like, mm-hmm, okay. So I spoke my full 30 minutes I did it, and I got off that platform, and I knew the Lord was about to teach me a lesson. But that year, I received 10 speaking engagements, which was a huge honor, except I called all 10 of those and said, please, can you let me speak? My pride had begun to rob me of the joy of serving my king. All of a sudden, I thought that I was something big, when really, I just had an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. My posture needed to be humbled back into one of serving. And I need to let you know while you're in the palace, maybe you find yourself in this season. Can I please just remind you that the person that you are called to serve may not be perfect. They weren't perfect in David's life. Read this about Saul. And um, 1 Samuel 18, verse 11, it says, And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence, not once, but twice. Can I tell you, this was not the season where you could call HR and be like, I don't feel like I like my boss. He's trying to kill me. I don't, I don't really like it. No, no, no. David just had to stay in this moment. It was maybe a toxic situation. I would say it was. And yet all of a sudden, he never gave up. He still served. He even had an opportunity to talk bad about Saul. He had the opportunity to kill him. He had a lot of opportunities to do what the world would have thought was right. But he knew. He wasn't serving Saul. He was serving God. And for that season, God had asked him to serve Saul so he would serve Saul wholeheartedly. He kept a posture of serving. The next season in David's life is the battle. And the question in this season is, will you serve when trouble comes? If you haven't noticed yet, trouble is a coming. We kind of live in a dark world. And so we, we have this question when trials come our way, when things of hardships come our way, will we continue to serve our God? Now, most of us are familiar with the story of David and Goliath. David was called in and he fought Goliath. And I want to just highlight a few parts of this battle that he faced. And so I just want to pick out a few little parts of it, okay? So the first part I want to pick out is about his armor. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 38, it says, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested. I am not used to them. So he took them off again. Can I tell you the only armor that you will be able to sustain in the battle is the one that you have put on in the unseen season. Any armor that you try to add on because somebody has told you that you need it will cause you to stumble and carry weight that is unnecessary in the battle that you face. 
And I love what the last phrase of this says. Sometimes we cut it off. We say, man, he stumbled in it. He wasn't used to it. But here's what it says. So he took it off again. Maybe you and I need to take off some things that have been handed to us. Maybe some people have told us, I've been in a similar situation. Let me tell you what worked for me. And while wisdom is not a bad thing, but sometimes they try to offer you an armor that was not meant for you to wear. And it sounds something like jealousy. It sounds something like envy. It sounds something like you must feel owed. You know, I was in that situation. I just marched into my boss's office and here's what I told them. Well, hey, I was in that situation and I went into her and I told her this. And all of a sudden, it's causing you to wear jealousy and envy and hate and all these different things that you were never meant to wear. And so if you want to win the battle that you are in, then you need to take off the armor that the world has given you. And the only armor you need to wear is the one that you developed in the field. Because that is the one that will sustain you in the battle you're about to face. Another thing I want to point out about this battle that he faced is this thought about stones. If you read it in 1 Samuel 17, verse 40, it says, He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, and he put them in his shepherd's bag. Have you ever stopped to think how he must have gotten those five smooth stones? Well, if you remember, a couple weeks ago, I shared with y'all Proverbs 16, 3. It says, commit your ways to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. And here's what that word commit means. It, gen- it just honestly, the bottom line of it means to kneel down. My personal belief is that when David went to pick up the five smooth stones, I believe he knelt down next to a stream. And in his kneeling down, he released the burden for the battle he was about to face. And once he released the burden, he was able to pick up the very things he needed to win that battle. I'm curious today how many of us are still carrying a burden that we must prove ourselves. I wonder in all of his humanity, David must have had fears. He must have been worried about his brother standing there watching him, the king standing there watching him. He must have had some thought of question of like, what if I talked myself into something I can't do? Like, what if my mouth was a little big? Like, there had to be doubts because he was human. And I believe that when he knelt down, he released the doubt. He released the fear. He released the thought that I have to prove something to someone. And in that, he picked up the very things he needed. He picked up the strength that he needed to win this battle. But you know, there's another story about stones in the Bible. And it's about this woman and she was caught in adultery. And they called this woman forth and they gathered all the people around that were so angry about her sin. And they were looking at Jesus saying, can we stone her? And he stood up and he said, sure, but let the one with no sin go first. And all of those men and women slowly backed away from that woman in her sin. And yet, every day, you and I walk on stones. And sometimes we pick them up and we're ready to stone instead of slay. You have an option with the stones that you carry. You may either slay the giants that you are facing or you may stone your brother and your sister. But may I tell you, let the one with no sin cast the first stone. And my friend, that is neither you or I. And so let us drop it. Can I remind you that we have the same enemy and it is not one another. 
And so while we are in the midst of a battle, and it is a spiritual battle, and it was promised to us that we would be in this battle, let it be one that we walk out victorious because we've kept our eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. Let it be one that we stand up and we slay the giants on behalf of everyone, not on behalf of me. Because when David won this battle, he freed many, not just himself. Let us go to war with one another, not against one another, because that is what he called us to do. I love this passage, though, because as he does this, he picks up these five smooth stones, and all the time he remembers why he was in this battle in the first place. And here's what he says in verse 45. You come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. See, David understood this battle wasn't just between him and Goliath. This battle was between Goliath and his God, so he knew he would be victorious. And it actually says that as Goliath moved to attack, David quickly ran to meet him. And here's why you can quickly run into a battle is when you know who has sent you into this battle and you know whose victory it already is. You're not afraid of the valleys when you remember that God is still on the throne of your valleys. And so we can walk into this wholeheartedly. Will you serve when trouble comes? Will you remember your posture that is one to serve your king even in the hard times? Will you lean in to that? And then the final season in David's life is that of the throne. 2 Samuel 3.10 says, transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel. See, I believe that God gave David this throne because he was faithful. Because he kept a posture that said, I will serve the one, not the crowd. He didn't let the expectations of the world choose his destiny. He chose to listen to the voice of God in every season. And here's the question that this season will ask of you. Will you serve even in leadership? Will you serve even when you have been gifted a place, a position? Will you be faithful in this moment? If you know David's life at all, you, you may be sitting here thinking, yes, um, but he wasn't always faithful. And while you're not wrong, have you ever thought to ask, why did he get off track? Well, here's what the Bible says when it talks about how he got off track. In 2 Samuel 11, verse 1, it says, The following spring, the time of year when kings go to war, he was still a king, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to destroy the Ammonites. Late one afternoon, David got out of bed after taking a nap and went for a stroll on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. So how did he lose? How did he get off track? Here's why. He sent someone where he was supposed to be. While he was not where he was supposed to be is when he found himself in quicksand of failure. Because he was still a king and kings go off to war. And the truth is that he actually got lazy and he stopped trying to serve because he felt like he had servants. And so he lost his posture of serving. But you know, the good news is he got back on track. Do you know how he got back on track? There was this young man named Nathan that came to him. 
And Nathan had a story for him. He said, can I tell you a story? Now, this is Elaine's version. Uh, Ethan and I like to call this the ESV version, the Ethan and Elaine version. Um, so this is our version, okay? It's not my version, not his, my version. So Nathan comes to him and says, hey, I'd like to tell you a story. He said there was this man who had lots and lots of sheep. And his neighbor had one sheep that was most likely the pet sheep of the family. And when this man with lots and lots of sheep had company over, he went and he took his neighbor's one sheep and he slaughtered that and served it to his company. And David interrupted the story and he said, that man will pay back fourfold. And Nathan looked him in the eyes and said, that man is you. And you know what David did? Here's what it says in 2 Samuel 12, verse 13. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. We know that the Bible says confess to one another our sins that we have done against the Lord. And David immediately repented. Listen, we all get off track at times. No matter what season you can find yourself in, you can find yourself getting off track. You could be in the first season, the season that you feel unseen, and all of a sudden your frustration and your irritation gets you off track as you try to plow yourself away. You can be in the season of the palace, and like me, pride can rob you of the fruit that you were meant to have, and all of a sudden you can get off track because pride has captured your heart. You can be in the battle, and all of a sudden it just feels too tough. Maybe you don't take off the armor that has been given to you. Or maybe you just want to throw in the white flag and say, I surrender. I can't do this anymore. Maybe you get off track in that. Maybe you find yourself in the leadership phase of life and you get off track because you've become lazy in the things that made you great. The things that you were so strong on in the early days. Maybe you have forgotten to spend your time with the Lord or maybe just time has gotten in the way and you find yourself off track. I have, and I know one thing to be true, that if you and I will respond as David responded and confessing to one another but yet admitting our sin against our Father, he is faithful to redeem. Because at the end of David's life, Back to our very first scripture. It said David served the purpose. His purpose in his generation. He wasn't remembered for the failures. He wasn't remembered for the mishaps. He wasn't remembered for all the times he tripped and he fell. Why? Because his posture was one that was surrendered to his king. And so at the end of his life, what we know of him is that he faithfully served his purpose. And I want that to be said of me. I want that to be said of us, of this generation. Maybe you find yourself off track, that's okay. Maybe you find yourself in one of these seasons, that's okay. But let it be said of us that we were a generation found after God's own heart. Let it be said of us that we were a generation that God could trust because we would do anything he wanted us to do. And let it be said of us that we served faithfully our purpose in this generation. If you've ever doubted you have purpose, you have purpose. If you've ever doubted that you're destined, you are destined for greatness. But here is the core of it all. Will you serve your king through each moment? 
through each season, through each trial, through each hardship, through each promotion, will you go back to the one who has called you? Go back to the one who has anointed you. I want to take just a moment. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to just take just a moment and in your own words and in your own heart, maybe you're off track. And maybe you need to do what David did and say, God, I confess. I have sinned against you. I have gotten off track and I apologize. I repent. I turn my face back towards you. And in this place, maybe that's what you need to do. But maybe today you just need to receive hope. While you feel unseen, don't let it be insignificant because he sees you. While the trials are hard and the battle is heavy, you stand on the victorious side. And no matter where you find yourself today, know that he is in every single season. He is with you. He is for you. He loves you and you are destined to be his. And so God, right now, Lord, would you turn our hearts towards you? Lord, we ask that this generation would be one that is known as a heart after yours. That you can trust this generation because we will do anything you want us to do. But God, don't let it be said about us that we wasted any time, but let it be said about us that we served our purpose in this generation. In every season, in every hardship, you are faithful. And so, God, we turn our face to you. And we come back to the posture of worship to our King. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.